Matthew chapter 26, verse 40 through 41. We don't have Brother Mark here tonight, so I may have to stay within 42 minutes. <laughs> Some of you know why I said that. Matthew 26, 40 through 41. And he cometh to his disciples and findeth them asleep. Anybody ever went to sleep while you pray? Amen. And saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? And when he says watch, he's speaking of prayer. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Can anybody relate to that? Amen. The spirit is willing. We've got great intentions but the actions to follow through sometimes is a struggle or a challenge. Lord, I pray, help me deliver your word in a way that is can easily be received and be applied. God, tonight I desire and I feel it is your intent that we can provide this as tools and help to equip us to all enhance and grow our prayer life, to establish it, to be consistent with it. And God, for it is a wonderful, wonderful gift that, that you've given us. I pray for the anointing and the unction and the liberty of the Spirit to teach your word and help us all receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Tonight's lesson title is Unleashing the Power of Prayer. Unleashing the Power of Prayer. Now, if you live for God any length of time, you have found that prayer is very powerful. Why is prayer powerful? It's because prayer gives us access to God, who is all-powerful. Prayer allows us to bring our needs, our petitions, uh, our lives to God in prayer and let Him know everything's going on in our life. Every need that we have. He said, cast all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Amen. And the best way to cast that care is by prayer. God, I'm giving you this care. I need you to be in control of it. I need you to be the leading role in my life in these areas. Work where I can't work. Do the things we can't do. God, resolve issues we can't resolve. Move the mountains that we can't move. Prepare people's lives and hearts and minds that will never change their attitude. God, change me. Hello, somebody. The biggest problems we have in life with this, the man in the mirror, and I need prayer. Oh, hallelujah. It's kind of like the young man went up to the elder at his uh, 50th anniversary of pastoring. He said, Elder, I'm praying for you. The elder said, good. I need the prayer, and you need the practice. <laughs> we all need the prayer, and we need the practice. Amen. But prayer is a wonderful thing. We're praying to a God, a powerful God that is our Father. Everybody say our Father. He's our Savior, our healer, our guider, our protector, our provider, and our redeemer, and much more. Oh, hallelujah. 
time would not allow me to list the entire list, and I don't even know if I could. But if God is all these things, and He is and more, and we have access to Him, amen, to pray and bring our needs, praise God, then we should be encouraged to pray daily and to spend time. But here is a problem. Anybody ever had a problem with prayer? Knowing how to pray, what to pray, when to pray, but then to actually pray. I mean, really pray. The reason it is difficult to pray. You may wake up in the morning, roll out of bed, put your feet on the floor, and the Holy Ghost hits you, and you just quit praying. I don't know. That don't happen to me. I need coffee. I need to get my left eye open. I need to get my mind going and, and go into prayer. And other than, If I don't, I'm going to fall asleep praying. Amen? But everybody say prayer. Reality is most of us struggle to pray. Distraction, time, busyness, desire. We know the need is there. Hello? But praying sometimes is, is difficult. Here's two reasons why. One is we're living in flesh. And flesh is an enemy to God. And flesh doesn't want to pray. Amen? Then two, number two, the adversary doesn't want us to pray. Because if we pray, God's going to move. If we give our troubles to the Lord, God's going to work. If we give our loved ones to God, He's going to stir their soul. He's going to talk to their heart. If we present our mountains to the Lord, He's going to move those mountains. If we ask God to shape and form us and help us be overcomers and to live right and to talk right and do right, then He knows God's going to help us. And so the devil doesn't want us to pray, but we must pray. If we identify that the flesh and the devil doesn't want us to pray, then we've got to find ways to push through that and pray. I read a statement that was very simple but profound and said there's three major keys to prayer. One is a plan. Number two is be consistent. And number three, be committed. Have a plan to pray. Don't just haphazardly pray. Don't just hope you find time to pray. But prayer is so vital and so important. We need to have it on the schedule. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost when I say that tonight. We put our schedules together. We know when we're going to do this, what time we got to be at work, what time lunch is, what appointments that are being made, what we've got to what time we've got to be at church. We ought to have on our schedule that daily time of prayer. Because that is planning to pray this is the time we set aside amen how many of you found that to be so important and then the second thing is be consistent with it it's something we do i don't know about you but i am consistent with my coffee ask my wife she's a morning coffee drinker when i met her but lately she's been having a cup in the evening You know, a little of that influence. But I'm consistent with my coffee. I want to do it. 
we've got to be consistent with our prayer. And we can be. I'm preaching to people, I'm teaching people tonight that are wonderful people. You know, most of you know the power of prayer. You know the results of prayer. You know the need to pray. It is just there seems like there's constant battles and obstacles and hindrances and distractions and things that just, just, you know, drive us crazy, if you will, because they seem to always be in the way of our prayer. Tonight is that we're going to strive to overcome that. Because we're going to plan to pray, and we're going to make up our mind we're going to be consistent with prayer. We're going to do it every day, and we can do it throughout the day at intervals. We were in the airport, and I don't remember which one it was. Maybe Dallas. We were so many airports lately. And uh, walking, finding something to eat, I noticed there was a room that said, I noticed it's in two different airports, a chapel. Well, I turned to check it out. And there were shoes laying on the outside. And the only ones inside praying was Muslims. And I find out that in most airports, that's the only people ever go into those chapels. That convicts me. Because they're committed to praying so many times a day, it don't matter where they're at, they're going to stop if it's on the streets of New York City, if it's in a busy airport, if it's on the job, no matter where they're at, when it comes time to pray, they're going to pray because they've set that plan, we're going to do these intervals. And that convicts my heart. What if we were that committed to prayer? That no matter what our schedule was set, no matter how many distractions that presented themselves to us, Come on, that we would just go ahead and say, wait a minute, that's going to wait. I'm going to pray. And tonight's design is to encourage us and help us have faith and to give us tools and guidance to have that prayer that changes us, that empowers us, that connects us to heaven, to get the mind of God, to get the victory of Christ in our lives and empower us to walk in the Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Everybody say prayer. So we plan, then we're to be consistent, and then thirdly, we commit that we're not going to let anything interfere with prayer. If we all were honest, we've let way too many things interfere with prayer. Come on. And so we want to overcome that. During what brought about this lesson tonight, and I know I'm not going to cover all this, may have to be part two was I'd been praying for a couple of months, Lord, I never prayed this prayer, never thought to pray this prayer, sadly. But my prayer, Brother Wesley, was, Lord, concerning the letters that were written to the churches of Asia. In Revelation, there was letters written to the churches of Asia. Ephesus, Thyatira, all of the churches, Laodicea, Philadelphia, Pergamos, and all these churches, there was letters, Sardis, letters written to them, and these were revealing the, it would give them the positive points of the church. Then it would bring out the negatives and the slack areas of the church are the areas that would need to be corrected. And every church had areas of correction except Philadelphia, of course, which he gave an open door. So my prayer was, God, what if you sent a letter to me about apostolic life? What would it say? And I want to know what it will say. Help me. Show me what it will say. But then show me how to correct it. And for several weeks, the one thing that I'm not saying this is it. This is by far not it all in one. 
it would be great if that was the only thing. But the Lord just kept impressing me that prayer on our level is real low in the church. And I think this is pretty much abroad in our society today. Now, in a church, just like in the churches of Asia, there were people that were living right and doing their best, but the overall health of the church was not there. And that's what God addressed and expected the pastor to address and correct her. He said, I'll come and remove your candlestick. And so I feel like this generation that we're living in today struggles with prayer. We're busy. I mean, we got more gadgets and more technology and more time uh, saver things that we've ever had, but we're more busier than we've ever been. And if we're not careful, we'll get too busy to pray. And if we get too busy to pray, we're too busy. Is this all right? And so this generation in our church is where I pastor and serve. I want to encourage. So when the Lord showed me that, I just simply said, Brother Lee, Lord, show me how to rebuild prayer in our church to the level that you would have it to be. Now, I know there's people sitting here tonight. Your prayer life is premium. I, I know some of you, your prayer life is powerful. But then there's many others that struggle. And, and they're, they get frustrated. Because their prayer life struggles, and we combat things. So we're here to just address that. How many of you would love to be on board and to recommit and that our entire church become the praying force that God's called it to be? Now, in our scripture text tonight, the reason I felt led to use that particular scripture text, it was in a time of Jesus' most critical hour. He was about to be crucified. There was not a more vital, critical time in Jesus' life that he needed more now than ever people who would pray. And so he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane. Calvary, uh, the cross is approaching. His arrest is just hours away. And he goes in to pray, but he doesn't take everybody. But he took the core. He took that inner circle, Peter, James, and John with him and to pray at this very crucial time. And then he let them stay stay right here, basically. And the Bible says he went a stone's throw from them, and he began to pray. The Bible says he began to pray intensely and fervently in such agony that he sweat as if it were great drops of blood. That is intense praying, my friend. But there was a reason for that prayer. But yet he went back to check on his inner circle, his prayer people, and they had fell asleep. They were asleep. And he asked them this question, what is it that you cannot pray with me one hour? I feel like, and it doesn't bring all this out, but I feel like the Lord saying, I need you for this time. That's why I brought you here. And he left them to pray. But they would fall asleep, and every time he returned, he'd tell them again, watch him pray. And he'd come back, and they would again be falling asleep until the hour had come, and it was now time for him to be betrayed. I have to wonder how many times did the inner circle think back on the experience of the garden and wonder what if we'd have prayed 
Why didn't we pray? He was depending on us to pray. He brought us there for a purpose. He allowed us to be where others were not. He allowed us to be a part of an experience that was forever etched in our mind. And it was a landmark time in eternity or upon the earth and the birth before the birthing of the church. And we were there. But we fell asleep. And we didn't pray. And the reason I feel compelled to use that is because I believe that we are today in a very critical hour once again. And I believe that God is calling us to places nobody else is being called in. He's allowing us to come into the realm of the supernatural and to where things are taking place. And he's preparing the rapture of the church and the end time is upon us. And he's allowed us the inner circle, if you will, to come to a place not everybody gets invited in. And I'm afraid that too often I and others have fell asleep in prayer but God is calling us in a critical time what can you not watch one hour and pray with me and so I personally take that as a convicting point and as a point of uh, of responsibility I cannot take my prayer life for life for granted he's dependent on me I'm not just going, we're not just going to pray for ourselves. We're going to talk about that in a little bit in the next two hours. Kidding. Maybe not. But we're going to pray for others, for our cities, for leaders, for the world. But think about the model of prayer that when the disciples says, Lord, teach us to pray. You know what the first thing he said? Thy Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. First it was honoring God. And next the first prayer was pray for the kingdom. Hello? We need to be kingdom prayers. That's what he was calling Peter, James, and John. It wasn't about their families, and it wasn't about the sicknesses in their bodies. He would call them to a place of kingdom praying. I believe that God is calling us to a place of kingdom praying. He's depending on us to pray for Asia. He's depending on us to pray for Tanzania. He's depending on us to pray for the four corners of this world, for our neighbors, for our cities, and all the things that that are reaching that end-time hour, and we're called to be kingdom prayer warriors. We're praying for new church plants. We're praying over cities that don't have a church. We're praying over metro areas that needs multiple churches. Why? Because the time is short and he's called us to a place close to him at the most vital hour of the end time. Oh, praise God. Clap your hands to the Lord Jesus. Everybody say, I must pray. Think about it. I'm just trying to be simple tonight. That's all I'm being anyway. If prayer is so powerful that Hannah prayed and she was barren but yet gave birth to a child. If Rachel prayed, give me children or else I die. And God opened her womb and she gave birth to a child. 
And I could go through a full list of biblical prayers, but I'm not for the sake of time. But if prayer is that powerful, then you think of your own family or your own church, the prayers that you've seen God answer. How many times did you call on Him? How many times did He come through for us when He directed our path or healed our bodies or worked miracles in our family? If prayer is that powerful, and it is, but if we don't pray, But if we don't pray. Now you see why the hell don't want us to pray. Remember that song? The devil don't want me to do this, but I'm going to do it anyhow. We need, to, we need to let prayer be number one on that list. The devil don't want me to pray, but I'm going to pray anyhow. I know that's not the exact words, but basically that's what it's saying. So if prayer is that powerful, why don't we unleash prayer? Woo! Come on. Prayer is what we need more than anything else. We got the Holy Ghost. We're going to try to live, but if we're going to live for God, we need to pray. We need to pray more than we've ever prayed. We need a prayer force. Let me, t- let me tell us something. The number one most important ministry in this church is prayer. If prayer ministry is not healthy, nothing's going to be healthy. No ministry is going to be healthy. But if prayer is at the level that God wants it to be, then watch out that we're going to be a force to be reckoned with, not in our power, but in the power of God. Because praying people make things happen. Watch this. Peter. James has been beheaded. Peter was in prison, and they're going to behead him too. But it's Easter time. So they don't want to upset the Christian world. So they pause their intentions, and they wait. But something happened while they paused. In 12, Acts 12 and 5, it says, And the church prayed without ceasing. Woo! Peter was going to get beheaded. There's already one been beheaded. So the church realized we're not playing tiddlywinks right now. We're not just going through the motions. There are no 15-minute prayer schedule meetings at the church. But they got together and they prayed and they prayed. Because, look, here's why they had to pray. They could be the nest on the chopping block. Come on. And they went into prayer, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. And guess what? God sent an angel to a prison, and and shackles fell off. Iron doors opened of their own accord, and Peter got up and walked out of that prison. There was no swords. There was no army. There was no man. There was nothing but the power of prayer had reached into that place and freed him. And if prayer's that powerful, we need to unleash prayers on our city, on our schools, on our workplaces, in our families, in our nation. We need to unleash prayer on our lives, in our church. Woo! Prayer is needs to be the strongest characteristic of our church. Hello? Now, I'm not pointing fingers of blame. I'm taking the blame. And I, I'm not just saying that. Because I'm the pastor. It's my responsibility to keep this church in, in the direction. And that's where I come up short. But, oh, God, by his mercy and grace, help us. We've got to bring, and I, I've got to lead you. I hope you get on board. I hope this thing connects. I hope this daily prayer gets us on fire. And here's the thing. We can, we can say we got to pray. We can plan to pray. But we got to pray. 
Because when prayer happens, something is going to change. Hallelujah. Well, it's already 34 minutes. And I, I didn't start the 712 like I did. I think it was 712. Might have been 710. We'll say 712 is 22 minutes. Because I hadn't even started. First time prayer is ever mentioned, Genesis chapter 4 and verse 26. In the days of Seth. You can throw that up there. I believe I gave it. Everybody say pray. Oh, I want to pray. Hello? Is that how you feel? Oh, I want to pray. I want to be the prayer force. I want to be the prayer warrior. We want to be that person of prayer that we've heard about others or that we maybe once was. It says, And Seth, to him also there was born a son. He called his name Enos. Then men began to call. Upon the name of the Lord. Hear me. Whatever you're going through. Whatever needs you have in your family. Whatever you're facing. Whatever you need God to do. Whatever changes you need to take place. Can I tell you there's an answer. There's a hope. And there is great help. And it's through calling on the name of the Lord. Now he's good to us. He's provider and he's healer and he does all these things where he wants. But when we call on him, we are inviting him into our world. We're asking him to take the lead role in, through the things of our life. We're asking him to do what we can't do. And when we call on the name of the Lord, he will not disappoint us. Oh, praise God. Everybody say he won't disappoint us. I got to hurry. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything. Everybody say everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. God wants to know. Because when we carry it to the Lord in prayer, we're saying, God, I want you to lead this. God, I acknowledge you. I need you. Oh, praise God. We're not just trying to handle it by ourselves. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, prayer and faith go together. It, it, you know, we pray if we don't have any faith. Number one, we're not going to pray if we don't have faith. That's bottom line. But in James chapter 5, I don't know how far I get with this tonight, but wherever we'll go, that's where we'll stop and pick back up later. James chapter 5 and verse 15 through 16. And the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. God, I'm praying and I believe you to move. Brother Jackson, your dad needs a miracle. But there's hope tonight and God's, I believe, touching him tonight because we can have the prayer of faith. Oh, praise God. I'm thankful that we have the Lord to turn to, to help us. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Prayer is powerful. Then it says, confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another. Not gossip about one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Watch this. Unleash the power of prayer. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There's many things going to be resolved. There's great things going to be moved. God's going to move in the midst of great. I'm telling you, when we pray fervently and we're trying to live right for God, there's great things going to change. It's going to happen because God's word said it. 
we have to leave everything to the will of God, but when you pray fervently, consistently, and you try to live right, guess what? Great things are going to change. Everybody say prayer. Carneas prayed consistently. And one day an angel showed up at his house. He's a good man. He was religious. He paid his tithe, gave alms rather. He fasted and he prayed, but it was lost. Hello? But he prayed and the Bible says an angel showed up and said, Cornelius, thy prayers have came up for a memorial before God. You have prayed so faithfully. God can't ignore it. God can't let it keep going without doing a miracle in the midst. And because he prayed, God sent an angel. And the angel told him who to go get. This Pentecostal preacher, apostolic preacher. And that preacher would come back and tell him what him and his family ought to do to be saved. Prayer brought an angel to his house, and prayer sent for a man of God to preach the gospel. And prayer brought salvation not only to Carneas, but an entire Gentile world over prayer. What if Carneas had not prayed? I know we thank God for what he done to the Gentile world. We're Gentiles. To the Jews, we were dogs. We couldn't be saved. What if Cornelius hadn't prayed? And because he prayed, look at the door opened up that God came through to reach into the Gentile world. What am I saying tonight? What if we're praying for different nationalities or different uh, religions or different whatever? in our world that God will take one family and because of prayer brother Carl walk through that home of that family in a supernatural way and bring truth to them through you and then entire peoples uh, families and neighborhoods and people from other countries can be saved I remember and I won't call his name the Islamic young man that got the Holy Ghost that we baptized in the name of Jesus Christ right here when he called his mama and he told her what had happened and he got baptized in the name of Jesus. She said, no, don't ever call us again. He was 19 or 20 years old. And then he just made a joke because he wanted to talk to his mama. But they were getting ready to cut that boy off. But you know what? It didn't stop him from coming to church. It didn't stop him from getting in a bath. I'm telling you the price some people pay to get this gospel, to obey this gospel. And here we sit as an opportunity to pray for nations, pray for Turkey, pray for Islamic worlds, pray for people all over this world. Oh, God, help me to tonight. Help us, God, to be a Carneus. Help us to be Carneus, God. Help us that there be Carneuses in our neighborhood. We ought to pray for there to be Carneuses in every part of our city, in every part of our world, that God will send people to them. Well, hallelujah. Mercy. I don't know where time goes. Matthew 7 and verse 7 says, Ask and you shall receive. Ask. Now, for someone who says, well, I asked and I didn't receive, you got to understand something. God's timing. 
God's way. Because it hadn't happened now or in the manner we wanted it to or, or thought it would, doesn't mean it's not going to happen. I've seen prayers answered 10 years down the road. Hello? And even further, I've seen prayers answered 20 years down the road. But when they were answered, my friend, it was incredible. And it didn't stop in one area, but it went forth. It affects the whole world. I've seen that with my own eyes. But then the Bible says when you pray, don't ask amiss. If we ask amiss, that's the reason our prayers are not answered. But here's how simple it is, Brother Wesley. I want you to come here. Come here. Yeah, you. Come here. Brother Wesley, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to ask me for 20 bucks. Nothing. What were you thinking? No. Well, sure. I'll be glad to. Man, all this stuff, I want to give you a tip anyway. I mean, this is really yours. You can be seated. Hands going up all over the building. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. I'm out of 20s, folks. It's the only one I had. It's empty now. Can I borrow $20? No, really. <laughs> He just simply asked, and I gave it. And I know we staged it, but it's important. It's that simple. Ask God, Lord, I need this. I can't do it. God, I need an answer with this. I need, Lord, would you, and not that, that God's our puppet on a string. That's why it needs to be more than just that kind of prayer. We have the right to pray for things. But, Lord, help us if that's the only kind of prayer we got. Come on. That is just inclusive. That is a friend's benefits, if you will. But that's not why we pray. We pray for the kingdom. We pray for others. We pray for spiritual purposes. But because we are the children of God, he said, ask, and you shall, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. Oh, praise God. For everyone that asketh, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. I don't know about you, but I believe the word of God. I believe if we, if we don't come, we just keep seeking. And if it don't come, we start knocking. A little more aggressive each time. And that goes back to the Luke chapter 18, 1 through 8. I won't tell it all, but it's the woman with the, the unjust judge. I think it is. And the unjust judge. And the widow kept going and praying, or going, kept going in her petitions, saying, here, I need, I need this. Everywhere he went and set up his circuit tent of judging, she showed up. And finally he said, I don't regard man, I don't regard God, but this woman's going to drive me crazy. And so I'm going to give her what she wants. And God used that. Don't, don't tell me you ought to pray for something one time. No, real faith is I'm going to pray every day if nothing ain't happening. We're going to pray if there's not a sign, if there's not even a, if there's no one bit of evidence. We're going to keep praying because our evidence is not in physical. Our evidence is in the promise of God that he shall answer our prayer. And so she just kept praying and he granted her request. And the Lord said, how much more will I avenge those who cry day and night? We ought to take hold of that scripture and say, God, I'm taking hold of this promise. 
and I'm going to believe you, and we're going to trust you, and I'm going to come to you every day. Every day I pray for my son. Every day I pray for my daughter-in-law. Every day I pray for my grandbabies. Every day I pray a covering over my children and her children, our children. Every day I do that. Why? I'm not boasting, but because I trust him. I need him, and he's going to take care of them. Oh, praise God. It was, and I can't get into all this, Lord, I'm merciful. It's all right. I asked Brother McGill, and he, I, I, he's going to give me permission. But oftentimes, we're able to talk here in the office. Now, I'm not here to embarrass him whatsoever. He don't go telling you this stuff. But many nights, I'm talking about relationship prayer. Prayer is not always about give me. Help me. Do this. And I'd even, prayer's not always about intercessory prayer. Part of our prayer needs to be relational. And oftentimes he wakes up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. This is our private conversation. Forgive me if I'm out of line, Brother McGill. But he sits in that recliner for one, two hours and further just praying and weeping and talking in tongues. Why? That's time with God. Come on, and I, he's not the only one. There's others. But every time I hear these stories, he'll talk about, hey, I woke up last night, and this happened, and, and, this, and, and the visitation of the Lord. And it's all about, all about what God did, not what he did. But I'm telling you, there's relationship. That's time with the Lord when God shows up. You know why he does that? Because that man prayed every day. And I, I thought of this the other day, and I know I'm talking fast, but I thought of this the other day. Sometimes we're wanting to hear from God. We're needing a word from God. How many of you like to hear a word from God? And I thought, like the Lord impressed me. Well, if they would just let me hear from them, I'll be glad for them to hear from me. If we want God to talk to us, we need to have an open line of communication. And we need to be going to him. And the more we talk to him, the more he's going to talk to us. Prayer is wonderful. Everybody say prayer is wonderful. All right. Uh, my wife shared this story with me. I want to share it with you. Brother Urshan used to be the general superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church a number of years back, powerful man. As he was, when he was pastoring, one of his elders in his church was on his deathbed. And Brother Urshan made his way up to the hospital and was going to visit with him and pray with him. It was evident time was short. And as they prayed and visited and it was time for Brother Urshan to leave. He asked Brother Urshan, he said, Brother Urshan, he said, what are you going to do when, I, when I'm gone? He said, well, brother, church is going to go on. We're going to miss you. I mean, we're going to miss you bad, but church is going to go on. He said, no, no, what are you going to do when I'm gone? He said, well, brother, I'm going to miss you real bad. You mean a lot to me, but we're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. He said, you don't understand. What are you going to do when I'm gone? He said, because what you don't know is, I pray for you eight hours every day. 
And Brother Urshan had gone from coming into this and coming into a leader and pastoring great churches and becoming the general superintendent of the entire United Pentecostal Church that that frontiered many of the ministries that we're doing today. And, and I'm telling you, God used him. How much impact did that little man have on Brother Urshan's ministry? See, we don't know the power of prayer until it's absent in our life. Hello, somebody. When I lost my mama on this planet Earth, you better believe I felt the difference. That prayers that were not there that once were. But I know that prayers she prayed that wasn't answered, God was still answering them. But I'm telling you, that's how the impact is on praying. When you're praying for someone, Brother Carl, you're praying for, for your daughters, Savannah and Chloe, and I promise you, they don't may not understand it, but there's things that go on, and there's things that shield and protect them, and their deep inner workings going on in their life uh, that they don't have a clue, but what if that was gone? It would be an impact. Oh, help this pastor tonight to never, ever Take for granted the prayers of this precious people because when I get to this pulpit, it is not on my prayers alone. It's not on my studies alone. It's not on my ministry alone. You take you away from it, and I'll fall flat on my face. But because of your prayers, I feel them. I get direction from God from them. I get anointing from them. I get encouragement from them. I don't give up because of those prayers. I'm telling you, your prayers are making a difference what about the prayers of a church over a city is this alright God called us here I heard a statement a year or so ago in North American missions and it was so true that when God sends an apostolic church into a city there's a new church plant there's something different in that city. There's something on location that wasn't there before. And that is his church. And that is a praying force. And the demons of hell can't stand it. Hello? There's a presence that God has in that city that had never been there because of an apostolic church that people pray. Hello? God's had this church planted here in June of 1949 by a Bible student by the name of Walter Meredith. Hear me tonight. I'm about to close. He woke him up several times during the night, and finally he got up on a Saturday morning. June of 1949, and the Lord said, I want you to drive till I tell you where to stop. Prayer. He prayed, and he got in his car, and he began to drive because he didn't go home that summer at Bible College, Illinois. And he was driving. When he rode by a grove of cedar trees, the Lord said, Stop. I want you to put a brush harbor right there. And he walked across the street to Elmer Houston. And he asked permission to build a brush harbor. And Brother Otis Brown and Brother Herb Angle helped him and others to build a brush harbor. And from that, I'm telling you, hallelujah, God had plans way beyond that. God had a vision way beyond that. God had my family as a part of that. Brother Dylan, God had your family as a part of that. God had everybody that's here and everybody that's been here and everybody that's going to come here. God had that in the plans. But he took one 19-year-old from Illinois that knew how to pray and would obey God. And because of prayer, he obeyed the Lord and the brush harbor was built. 
Nashville and look at what we have here today. Look at what we get to enjoy today. But it all came through prayer. Because God wanted a presence of an apostolic church. And here's where I'm closing. I got more, but Lord have mercy. I knew I'd never get it all out. But we're here. And God spoke to this pastor that our greatest need in this church is to build our rebuild our prayer. And to become a praying force that would change families that would bring conviction, that would bring greater anointing, that would begin to stir and shake neighborhoods and families, that would build faith and revival can come, and not just revival, but harvest. And listen, I'm tired of good preaching. I I like to preach, and I don't claim to be a good preacher, but I don't want to be satisfied with good preaching. When I go somewhere, even in this church, I'm hungry for a move of God. Because good preaching, we can clap to it. We can enjoy it. We say, oh, that was pretty good or whatever. But if there was no real deep, powerful move of God, lives are going to be untouched. People are going to be unchanged. Altars are going to be empty. Baptistries are going to be empty. But can I tell you, with prayer, with sincere, fervent prayer, with planning to pray, consistent prayer, committed to prayer, and praying in the Holy Ghost, We'll get into that later. Then guess what? Then there's going to come a power to the church that that is going to touch hearts and lives and families are going to come in and conviction is going to fall and faith is going to rise and the desire of God's going to grow and it's going to totally transform us. It's going to transform our church. It's going to transform our city. I'm telling you, God is calling this church to a higher level of prayer.